You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. I'm sitting with Adi Swift, who's a writer and a mom of four little ones, and we're going to talk about her journey today. Adi, can you tell us a little bit about what you're writing about? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I'm actually writing a memoir, so it's looking back on a bit of my life and how um, I kind of lost touch with myself Mm -hmm. um, and had to go through a process of finding my voice again in life Mm -hmm. and um, how I had been small in life and just kind of wounded um, and come, you know, how I how I came out of that and how I made it through. so, Great. I'm looking yeah. forward to reading that. <laughs> um, one of the things that to me is fascinating about you, Audie, and if you could see Audie, you would find this shocking. Uh, she was a hockey player in high school. She is, how tall are you? 5'4". Five, 5'4". Four. Five, four, <laughs> small as you can believe, like just petite. And this girl was a hockey player. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> Well, I grew up um, in a family of four kids. I had two brothers, and they were both um, athletic, and a dad who was um, just loved sports and that kind of thing. And they they played ice hockey, and I was the spicy one out mm-hmm. of the three. And so there came a point I I just would um, try anything. I loved adventure. Um, I really didn't like it when people told me I couldn't do something um, <laughs> when I was young. And so there just came a point when I um, I wanted to join the boys. I wanted to play I wanted to play ice hockey and so um I would get out there and rollerblade with my brothers and play street hockey and one day my dad said do you want to try out for the team and I was like yeah heck yeah I do (laughs) (laughs) and so he got me some gear and I tried out and made one of the teams and and there I was yeah I loved it yeah I loved it tell us about uh tell us about the the young you the wild free version of you yeah I like I said I was the third kid and I'm not sure if there's something to that birth order I have heard um over and over the third kid is always very spicy and that's true with my daughter um but that's who I was I was just um I would talk back and I had my (laughs) you know own opinions and um was very you know physical like loved being active and um just involved in things um and I don't know, that version of me, that younger version, that girl, she was just, nothing could hold her back. Yeah. There was a real fire inside of me Yeah, um, cool. when I was a young girl. And you you and I have talked a lot about your journey mm-hmm. and about how you lost that version of yourself. Um, when I met you, um, you were quiet and mm-hmm. um, reserved. And it's just interesting to hear you know, this younger version of you and compare that to the version of you that I met in adulthood. Can you tell us about that journey, how, how you moved from this wild, free version of yourself to the struggle that incurred after that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really true. I feel like a lot of people who find out that I was that spicy, audacious, um, they really can't believe it. And that's, Mm -hmm. um, kind of takes me back a little bit of like, wow, there really was, um, a lot of transformation that happened, good and bad. 
Um, but yeah, when I um, was in elementary school, um, I was kind of that free version. Um, and I really kind of pinpointed to somewhere in middle elementary school, my oldest brother um, started kind of living a life of just struggle um, with lying and stealing and um, kind of went through a little bit of a prodigal son story where he kind of fell away and ended up coming back to the family. But it was a process of um, over 10 years. So from my elementary school years all the way um, into college, um, my brother's story was a, a huge stressor on our family and um, kind of overshadowed, I feel like, a lot of our family's narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, I feel like I watched, um, you know, the home that I knew is really warm and inviting when I was young. It, it changed over time. Um, when I was in um, middle school and high school, it just changed to be really cold and, and kind of sad um, atmosphere to be in. And... Um, I remember just my dad being really wrapped up with being on the phone with lawyers and my mom um, being alone a lot in her room and crying. I know she was trying to process what was happening. Um, But the three of us younger siblings, I think, just got lost in that. Um, Just such a long period of struggle. And um, I think we all just internalized a message of, like, you need to be perfect. You need to not mess up you need to tread lightly um kind of feeling and you really just need to not add to mom and dad's pain like they've already been through enough and and it's interesting when I talk to my siblings like we all receive that same unspoken message yeah wow yeah and it is that is that where the eating disorder developed or when when did that sort of come into play that came that came a little bit later um That came in high school. Um, I actually got into um, my first serious relationship when I was about 17. And I um, really feel like that was kind of the, I don't know, compelling thing that happened um, to kind of cause the eating disorder to come out um, um, like it did. So that, um, you know, relationship started good. Um, It was, you know, a typical high school relationship, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. he was charming and my family loved him. Um... But what started, you know, innocently, it it changed to become very wounding. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at the first signs of what I think is, you know, was trouble in that relationship, which I I would say was kind of his narrow view of beauty. Um, He focused a lot on thinness and body size and kind of criticized me, really backhanded, um, criticized other people's appearances. um, And... I became very aware of that, obviously. Um, And, um, yeah, I just, I think it, it, my eating disorder coincided with just the downfall of that relationship. And I was in that relationship for five years. So, a long time. (laughs) Do you remember what you were thinking in the middle of that? Like, were you aware of how damaging it was to you? Or do you feel, were you just trying to make it work? Or how do you think you conceptualized that I think... No, I, I don't think, I think I was really naive um, mm-hmm. about the eating disorder for sure um, and, and definitely that relationship. Um, I think it was something that was affirming at the time when I felt really lonely. I was pretty isolated. I didn't have a, a good core group of girlfriends around me. Um, obviously, my parents were pretty wrapped up um, and I would say emotionally pretty unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it kind of fed that, um, those needs, those immediate needs at that um, kind of tender age. Um, 
so I, I don't think, I think if any alarm bells went off um, or any red flags kind of came up, I think the the need to kind of trump those for attention and things like that just were louder. Yeah. Well, it makes a lot of sense, right? If there's mm-hmm. a there's a big vacuum and if all you can get is, you can get something that looks and feels like what you need, wh- yeah. why would you give that up? when uh, your choices are that or nothing yeah right so i think that fear of nothing or you know i think it would have caused a fear of abandonment and that kind of thing that yeah i was really invested at that point makes sense how how would you say that eating disorder affected sort of your thinking the way that you treated yourself i don't yeah how, how would you describe that i think it um it started really, really innocently. Mm-hmm. Like I look back and the beginning of the eating disorder really started when he, um, that boyfriend went out of town for a short period of time. And I just kind of put a challenge on myself. I think because of all, obviously the commentary he had made about um, thinness and size, um, I thought, oh, you know, I'll use this as a challenge. Like see how much, if I can lose any weight while he's gone. And, um, so I started, you know, restricting and, and I lost enough that when he came back, it was met with a gushing positive Mm, response. Wow. And, um, and that was just, I I look back, that was very much a triggering event, Mm -hmm. you know, that it was that reinforcement, that positive affirmation. Um, and so it just kind of continued from there. Mm -hmm. And were you already tiny at the time? I was already pretty small. I was athletic, and yeah. so I, you know, I had a good amount of muscle on me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, you have to get pretty, mm-hmm. pretty invested in that eating disorder to um, cause any sort of change when you're a fit, you know, thin person right. just by natural frame. Right. So yeah, that kind of um, it just yeah propelled me forward right. into all of right. that. And what what was it that uh, sort of was a light bulb of like oh my gosh I'm I'm hurting myself like how how long did that take and how did that come about um I think it probably took a good handful of years mm-hmm. um I did kind of the classic um just evading being caught in the eating disorders so mm-hmm. it started out as anorexia and I was um, eventually confronted by friends and family and then my mom sat me down and said you know I really we've got to get a handle on this or I'm gonna have to send you to a treatment treatment center oh gosh um was that terrifying that was terrifying yeah terrifying it was so much pressure and by then I already had such a intense fear of gaining weight Mm -hmm. that um I just did anything to evade being sent there and losing what I had going on, which, you know, seemed to be working for me at the time. And so that morphed into bulimia. Mm -hmm. And then when I was caught with that, that morphed into, you know, excessive exercise. And it just kind of was this long period of, you know, maybe two or three years where I just was kind of out running. Yeah. um, Having to face it. Um, Yeah. And I think that that's probably pretty typical, right? When you're, when you're, you don't really understand what something's doing to you, yeah. and yet there's this um, strong compulsion to keep doing this, you know, this kind of addictive behavior because it's solving a problem. Yeah. What What would you say now, or like, this is the problem that, that I was trying to solve with that? Um, 
I think, well, I think it was a lot of things. If mm-hmm. I'm looking back, um, I think it almost created, you know, it was a lot of factors that kind of created that perfect storm. Um, I think of, um, you know, my, even my mom's history of body image issues. You know, I remember growing up with her criticizing herself. Um, my dad was, um, pretty perfectionistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you think of like the family stressors and just, um, all of that, that was going on with my brother. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, just that feeling of isolation. I didn't have a lot of friends around me in high school. Um, and then of course that, um, that unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. So there were just a lot of things. A lot of, yeah, it's a the lot perfect of things, storm. Yeah, but yeah. I just, I think what I really think of is um, that lack of control feeling. That was very scary to me, and I think that was something that was what I could control. You know, I think that there was so much pain happening internally that I really um, couldn't deal with that, the internal um, just emotions and pain. And so it was a way to kind of numb from that. I think it was a distraction to just focus on the external, Mm -hmm. um, even Mm -hmm. if that was painful in and of itself too. So how did you end up, you know, how did, how did it catch up to you or how did you decide, I I think I got to deal with this? Yeah, I think, um, I unfortunately had, um, a pretty close brush with death, Mm. which, um, yeah, looking back, like I just, have so much compassion for that version of myself but yeah I um, ended up taking too many um, like herbal diet pills Mm. and and uh, definitely had a reaction to that and and then I I think really close to that time period I had a pretty kind of crisis moment in front of the mirror one day when I the body dysmorphia was Mm -hmm. so intense and I thought both of those moments um I just thought, wow, this is going to be the end of me. Like this wow. will, this will kill me. Yeah. Like this is so intense and so all-consuming. Mm-hmm. Like I, this will kill me eventually. What steps did you take at that point when you you have this moment of clarity? Like, oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. Yeah. I I did you know talk to my mom. So she's the one that I did reach out to, and I I started seeing a therapist. I think those efforts were honest. I don't think a ton of movement happened, um, in those initial phases. Um, but then pretty quickly after that, my brother passed away suddenly and that was, um, shocking and, um, and really, and so sad, but it was, that was the lights on moment for me. Um, I think so many people would say that when they have a very close, um, death that, it is. It makes you realize how precious and short life is, and it, it did have that effect on me. That um, I just thought, I I do not want to do this anymore. I don't want to do my eating disorder. I don't want to be in an abusive relationship. I don't, you know, I don't want to keep beating myself up. Yeah. And that was very, very clarifying. And so <laughs> that um, event, a handful of months later, propelled me to go and get my degree in dietetics. And so I went back to college, and um, and that um, was a very healing experience for me. It was very mm-hmm. unorthodox, um, but going and having to study nutrition and the body was um, super oh, powerful for me. Yeah. It was super powerful. I didn't think that it was um, that would be the healing route or mm-hmm. a you know part of it. Um, I just thought, oh, I want to help people. Yeah. Um, but 
I think learning the scientific, you know, facts behind the body and what it's meant to do and what it's capable of and um, how it's really designed to process and, um, you know... What it needs to function. Yeah, like just all the normal, yeah, functions and um, that was really, really powerful for me. And it it definitely tested me. I had to eat in college. I had to, you know, our um, instructors were very aware that people that study nutrition, it can, even that route can, you know, trigger eating disorders for other Mm -hmm. people. So, Mm -hmm. but I think I had that kind of just burning, like, commitment, like, I'm not going back. That was already in there. And so that was um, kind of the first initial steps Mm -hmm. into all of that. It's a pretty genius strategy. It was kind of by accident, but but I mean, just, it just thinking about you being in, you know, you're sort of, you're sitting in that information all day long. It's like you you can't walk away from the facts about like, yeah, what the body needs to function, right? Yeah. And you're just you sort of submerged yourself in that information. Yeah, it's pretty genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what of the thinking that led you to the eating disorder in the beginning? What of that still feels like uh, it's still a struggle today or emerges once in a while? What kind of things trigger that? Um, well, I think, gosh, like body acceptance is just yeah. always, a, always thing. a thing. And I just don't know if I'm ever going to get mm-hmm. past that, mm-hmm. sadly. Not that I don't believe. <laughs> but it just, um, you know, this is like 15 plus years later, I'm almost 35 and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've had four kids and so I, I'm always revisiting, um, just body acceptance and, um, what that looks like, mm-hmm. you know, to be kind to myself and be more amazed about my body rather than critical mm-hmm. about my body. Um, and that, yeah, that, I, that I feel like I just continue to bump up against that. Yeah. Um, just throughout womanhood because we're we're always changing that's the thing you know we're told that you should stay the same size stay the same you know whatever um young attractive whatever um your 18 year old self yeah Uh like throughout whatever happens to you um Mm -hmm. as you age and as you change and as life you know throws you different um challenges Mm -hmm. and I think learning to reject a lot of those cultural lies yeah what I would say would you say each pregnancy is another go round? Every pregnancy, wrestling, 100%. yeah, yeah. Which is why you did it four times. Yeah, you want to really, <laughs> you want to really work that out. I guess so. I'm like a brute for punishment. <laughs> I um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I had to revisit that every single time, and um, I, you know, I ended up running right back into my therapist's office every time because it was so challenging mm-hmm. and so um, uncomfortable yeah. to feel um, that lack of control feeling. Yes. I mean, because your body's going to do what it needs to do yes. in order to take care of that baby. And so um, there's so much just releasing and surrender that has to happen yeah. um, in order to care for yourself yeah. and and your baby. And um, absolutely, it just... It, brings all of that up and yeah you know yeah the powerlessness of like your body your body's making a human being and it's going to do all kinds of things to you that you cannot control and shouldn't control yeah and that's a pretty big fight within yourself totally yeah what are some of your tips or secrets that uh like these are the things that I do to help myself with 
some of the crazy thinking that all of us have, right? Like we all have this crazy stuff going on. What are some of the things that work for you? Um, I think there's kind of um, two parts. There's like some practical stuff that I do. Like I don't own a scale and I will never own a scale mm-hmm. because that's super triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a struggle of mine. Um, I don't follow fad diets. Like I just don't buy into them. I, you know, just believe in eating moderately um, and enjoying, you know, food, that kind of thing. So there's kind of some practical things, but I think a lot of what I've learned um, has to do more with self-care and self-compassion and really having to shift that perspective from that critical view to how can I, you know, come alongside myself when I'm, you know, struggling or when something comes up or how can I have compassion for that person and and Mm -hmm. take care of her. Yeah. Um, and again, be more amazed by her than, than judgmental yeah. of her. Um, and a lot, you know, a lot of that goes into that kindness, compassion for yourself. I mean, that plays out in every area of how I care for myself. I'm, I feel like I'm very intentional as I've practiced it over and over. You know, I, the way I approach food, like I said, is very, um, having that moderation mindset, but I also think of things like, well, I'm not going to eat that, not because it's a bad food or a good food, but I actually don't feel good when I eat that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I have really low energy or I have, you know, feel kind of buzzy after that. Like I'm, I'm going to stay away from that or I'm going to eat that cause I enjoy it. Same thing for exercise. Like I do it because I enjoy it and it gives me good mental space and it, you know, I feel strong. I've got to pick up and care for four kids. Like right. I want to feel strong. I don't want to feel like I'm dragging. Same thing for for sleeping and things like that. Like I mean, all of that. It kind of holistic um, self care really is motivated by that. How do I feel and how am I, you know, able then to engage in life? Yeah. Um, with how I'm taking care of myself. It's beautiful. What would you say to somebody struggling? with an eating disorder now, you know, any version mm-hmm. of that, what would, what would you wish for them? I was thinking about <laughs> just uh, people who are struggling, yeah, mm-hmm. today. It makes me think that there's probably, probably two versions of people that are listening mm-hmm. um, to our conversation mm-hmm. here, which I would say probably are pe- one set of people is someone who is struggling with an eating disorder but maybe isn't ready to change. Um, and the other would be someone who's maybe struggling and is ready to look for, for help. And I think to the, to the person that maybe isn't quite ready to change, I think, I think I would just leave them with a question of Mm. to think critically about how I think most eating disorders are fueled by believing in an illusion or a lie. Mm. So what areas um, or what maybe illusion are you believing that's fueling your eating disorder? So is that believing that you actually have control, you know, or that you can achieve perfection or that you can evade feeling pain? I think all of those things are common things Mm -hmm. um, that fuel eating disorders and then any any addictive behavior. Mm -hmm. And so... Could you hold space for a second just to to wonder if perhaps you're believing an illusion or a lie? Yeah. Like if one of your core beliefs that's fueling you, you know, is mm-hmm. is false. Yeah. I definitely did that. Yeah. 
Great. You know, I thought I was only lovable at a certain size or mm-hmm. if I was perfect. Or, mm-hmm. And you kind of have to be willing to poke holes in some of those yeah. those things. And then I would say, you know, to somebody who's who's struggling but is ready to, to receive help, I would say there is so much hope. Mm-hmm. I would say there is um, there's a path out. There is a path out. And there are so many people and tools that are, you know, trustworthy that... Um, are ready to support you and I think that as you go through that as you kind of step into getting the support you need that I think you're going to find things within yourself that are also empowering um, that are going to help you kind of climb out of that pit you Mm -hmm. know um, of feeling stuck and and hopeless and don't give up yeah (laughs) just don't give up I feel like that's the thing is that it's it's been a long journey but it has made sense and it's been organic for me um, as I just kind of taken the next step in front of me yeah um, that doesn't have to be daunting for somebody but as you kind of step into what's right in front of you and you lean into that I think eventually you'll be able to look over your shoulder and go wow I've come mm-hmm. a long way yeah and that is a really gratifying beautiful place to be mm-hmm. and it will happen yeah you just don't give up. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think often, um, I think of change happening sort of backwards, right? Like I want to, I would like to be, you know, way over here, finished with this issue, but the reality is that yeah. we're all sort of baby stepping our way out of something and that, you know, just hanging in there with yourself yeah. is so key to everything. And yeah. I've watched you do that, you know, being so relentless in your own journey and just continuing to fight even when something pushes you backwards you know you get a setback and you just get back out there and you just keep working on yourself and pressing forward and fighting for your health and and your growth and for your family for your relationships that's been really beautiful to watch you do that thank you so sweet awesome (laughs) thank Thank you you so much Adi really appreciate so glad to have this conversation. All of this. Thank you. So glad. Thank Love you. Love you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, Our website is soulcarehouse.com and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouseandbarn. Talk to you soon.